0: Hi, I'm Rochelle Gray. Over the past 20 years, I have struggled with the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder, but now I think it's time for a change. Join me in my journey of discovery as I find ways to manage the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual symptoms of depression. You know, we all need someone who understands what we're going through. So I'm here reaching out to you, and I hope you'll follow along as I learn about the causes, the symptoms, and the treatments available for SAD. Get ready to learn something new and maybe even see yourself in a whole new light. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode. I hope that you've been taking care of yourself. I hope that you have been focusing on the now, and I hope that you implemented some of the self-care items I discussed last week to make yourself feel better and to help with the stress and the depression that we feel at this time of year. This week, I want to talk to you about mental health. This is because next Wednesday, January 26th is Bell Let's Talk Day here in Canada. Bell Lights Talk is a corporate commitment to mental health made by Bell Canada that is focused on getting people to talk about mental health issues and to open a conversation. They started back in 2010. They had a few celebrities, some athletes and some social media people talking openly about their own personal mental health issues, and they turned it into a fundraiser. Every time somebody used the hashtag Bell Let's Talk on social media or watched some videos on the uh, Bell Let's Talk website or Facebook page or used the profile frames or the Snapchat lenses, they would donate five cents to the Canadian Mental Health Association. Since September 2010, they've raised over $100 million. And they work with over 1,300 different organizations to provide mental health support. That includes hospitals, universities, community service providers, research organizations. They're reducing the stigmatism. They are opening the conversations. They are making people aware of how to get help. And they're providing money to support research in mental health issues. Now the talk I'm going to give today is loosely based on a facilitator's guide that was put out by Bell Let's Talk that is used for people who work with community centers and schools to give in-person or an online talk about mental health and ways you can open the conversation with other people. So bear with me. I might be jumping around a little bit. I'm trying to follow a script with visual aids and I want to share as much as I can with you using just audio we've all become really aware of mental health issues, given the recent events of the pandemic. The Black Lives Matter issue has heightened racism awareness, and we've had Indigenous trauma from generations of children that were forced into residential schools across Canada. We're all coming from different places and experiences and connections in this topic. Some of them are more personal than others. I have shared a lot of my personal experiences with depression through this podcast, but I really want to open conversation with you guys so that you can talk to other people, whether you have a mental health issue or a friend has a mental health issue, and you can let them know that you're listening, that you're here to help them. Mental health is a state of well-being. It's your ability to enjoy life, to deal with everyday things and challenges. You want to be able to make decisions. You can adapt and cope to different situations. And you can talk about the things that you need while feeling like you're part of a community. Mental health is essential for everything that we do. You need to be able to realize your own abilities and you can cope with normal stresses of life. And if you can do those things, you have good mental health. Mental illness includes a broad range of problems. They're generally characterized by changes or disruptions of emotional thought. Some of your behaviors will change, your relationships with people will change, and they just won't be considered healthy. I and mean, when these changes are in your thinking or your mood or behavior, they cause distress and it makes it difficult to do your daily tasks. And this is a sign that somebody might be experiencing a mental health challenge. For example, we all feel sad and worried and suspicious of people at times, and these kinds of feelings can become a problem if they get out of the way. Of our lives over a long period of time. One of three people in Canada will experience a mental health illness at some point in their life. Mental illnesses will affect people of all ages, of all educational backgrounds, genders, income levels, cultures. Everyone can experience mental health problems. There's a lot of reasons why. Maybe mental health illnesses run in your family, maybe stressful life events, or maybe you had experiences early in your life that caused trauma. But regardless of the reason why you have it, mental illnesses are health problems, just like cancer or diabetes or anything else. So you need to seek treatment and you need to have care to help manage mental illness. Now, the biggest problem we have with that is that there are barriers. There's a stigma about talking about your mental illness, I'm going to talk about that in a few more minutes, but mental health is not the same thing as mental illness. Mental health is your well-being. It's being mentally healthy. Just because somebody tells you that they have a mental challenge doesn't mean they have a mental illness. It might just be that their mental health is poor. We have combined and confused mental health with mental illness. You can be mentally healthy when you have a mental illness meaning that you're managing it, you're dealing with the symptoms, you're taking your medications, you're doing your therapy, whatever it is that you need to do to stay mentally healthy. But you can also be mentally unhealthy without having a mental illness. There's a statistic here in front of me. It says in Canada between 2008 and 2018, there's been a 60% increase in hospitalization for mental health disorders in youth. Now, if you think about that, 60% increase over 10 years, what would cause that? I don't think it's that our youth are any more mentally unable to handle things. I think it's the fact that we're more aware of what is healthy and what's not healthy. And we're more aware of the symptoms of mental illness. One in 10 adults have reported over 14 days in 30. They feel some kind of mental distress. In 2020, they did a survey amongst high school students and 35% reported that in the past year, they have felt some type of mental problem, but they didn't know who to talk to and how to go about getting help. And that's, that's huge. You know, 35% of our kids out there are struggling and they don't know how to get help. We really need to make sure that we're spreading the word and letting people know that these issues don't have to be hidden. And the problem with that is the stigma fear, misunderstanding, it often leads to prejudice against people with mental illness. Prejudice, discrimination, they all lead to feelings of hopelessness and shame. People just don't want to come forward and talk about the problems that they have, and and that's sad. And the pandemic has not made anything better. One of the stats that they have here is that youth are at higher risk of experiencing poor mental health during this pandemic. 65% of people aged 15 to 24 versus 35% of people over 65. So a lot of our younger people are having issues. Their school has been taken away from them. They're working from home. Their lives have been disrupted so much. Imagine how we would have felt. I'm in my 50s, grew up in the 80s. What if I had to do everything from home? Not being able to go out to talk to my friends, to play in the streets, to have to stay in my home how would I have coped? I don't think I would have. I think I probably would have had a lot of major depressive episodes and some anxieties. It says three times higher in young adults than in older adults. The pandemic has made it hard for everyone, but mental illness was around before the pandemic. And it is pretty common to have mental health issues and mental health illnesses that are caused just by the social and financial and physical environments people live in. A lot of times whole communities are affected because groups of people are put at greater risk. Some things that could affect your mental health are your employment status, your housing, trauma, something that might have happened in the cycle of poverty, or something that was intergenerational, access to healthcare, things like Racism, discrimination, homophobia, there's there's so many things and social inequalities that increase the risk of common mental disorders. We know from statistics that indigenous people and racialized people and people with lower incomes are more likely to experience mental health challenges. And a lot of these people have barriers that they need to overcome just to get the help that they need. Why? Well, I think one important factor is because these populations experience racism and stigma and that impacts their ability to access employment and housing and healthcare and nutrition and education and everything else that they need to have good mental health. This affects their overall quality of life and people who identify with more than one of these factors are even more at risk. It's sad to think that if we were more accepting and we didn't discriminate and make these people feel bad Then they would be able to get past their, shall we say, embarrassment of their mental health issues and come forward and get the help that they need. This program presents a few scenarios of things that people say to one another, trying to be helpful, and they come across as being discriminatory and stop people in their tracks. If your friend said to you, That it's okay for your daughter to come to their holiday party, but maybe your son shouldn't come because everybody knows that he's been drinking. They don't want him to cause a scene, and it might be better if he just wasn't there. I've heard people talking about someone else who has called in sick again, and they always seem to be taking time off on Mondays, so they're probably hungover Somebody could tell you that they felt bad for somebody when they found out that he had schizophrenia and he was born with it, but now he's doing drugs and he's getting into trouble and his family has to live with his mental illness. So why is he being so selfish? Just talking like that and allowing yourself to express these feelings in front of other people creates stigma. And those people who have that son who has a mental illness and is having trouble don't want to seek the help that he needs because they're ashamed. And that's really pathetic that we can put our own opinions on other people and change their behaviors just on the things that we say. The question is, why does society look at people with mental illnesses differently than people who have physical illnesses like cancer? It's stigma. Stigma is a combination of attitudes and discrimination. An example of an attitude would be thinking less of a person because of their race or their religion or their sexual orientation or their mental health. And discrimination is when somebody treats you in a negative way because they have an improper belief or a bias against you. Stigma and discrimination can make mental health problems so much worse, and it can stop a person from getting the help they need. It can make people feel afraid and unwanted and ashamed for something that they didn't cause. It can act as a barrier from getting things like housing and employment. And as I said earlier, these things affect the quality of your life. And then that can lead to even further mental problems. And it's just a big old vicious circle. There are ways that we can stop stigma. We need to treat everybody with respect. Treating people with respect is about treating people with dignity. You need to be warm and caring and you need to be non-judgmental. If you can approach every interaction you have with people, With warmth and caring, you'll create an environment where distress is less likely. And if somebody comes to you and feels supported, then they're more likely to discuss their problems. Just letting them know that you don't hold any bias against them, they can let their guard down and feel a little more accepted and possibly open up to you. The other thing we need to do is we need to challenge stigma when you see it. When you hear these people in their lunchrooms and they're talking about that staff member who keeps calling in sick, you need to step up. Perhaps you know that that person's mother died and they're having a tremendous time with depression and wake up in the morning on Monday morning and they just don't want to face the world. And so they call and say, we don't know what's going on in people's minds and we can't judge people just on the actions that we see. Another thing, too, is we need to really focus on the words that we use. A lot of times we'll talk about people who are mentally ill when we should be talking about a person with a mental illness. They're people first. I've called somebody a schizophrenic. And that essentially defines them by their disorder, as opposed to being a person who has schizophrenia. I don't refer to a person who has cancer as being cancer. We really need to choose our words very carefully. And we need to use empowering language. We need to ensure that we're talking about people who are experiencing mental illness and they're not suffering from mental illness. And I've said that here on this podcast. Suffering makes it sound like you're a victim like you're unable to help yourself. We need to talk about people who are experiencing mental health symptoms. They're not crazy or wacko or a lunatic or out in their own little spacey world. They're suffering mental health symptoms. So we want to refer to people as people. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to let people have jokes or have misinformation. We want to treat mental illness as something that is openly talked about. And that's what Bell Let's Talk is all about. To help raise awareness about mental health by speaking to other people about what you're going through or what they might be going through and leaving the door open so that they can talk to you when they need to. Faulty beliefs and misconceptions about people living with mental health and substance abuse problems is a barrier to them getting their help that they need. I've said it before, it's so true. Think about public speaking. A lot of us feel that if we get up on the stage, people are going to be staring at us, they're going to be thinking bad things about us, and that stops us from doing it. And the people who are in the audience are saying, I believe in you, you can do this, get up there and do it. You're going to get past that shame of being embarrassed and you're going to get up there and you're going to do it. It's really important to avoid stigma against people just based on their mental health status. We're all different in one way or another, and we all deserve to be treated with respect. We need to review the ways that we think. Certain words make people or groups feel excluded. They can convey stereotypes or expectations or limitations. It can make people feel unwelcome, make them feel unsafe. Language changes. As society values change over time, so does the language that's considered acceptable. The R word, I don't say it here, but back in the 80s, we were all running around calling our friends the R word, and now it's unacceptable and offensive. It's just a word that we don't use anymore. If someone suggests a correction to our language, you shouldn't be insulted or defensive. It's really that they're trying to help you understand that the language has changed and that we need to show empathy and understanding towards people. And when you're talking to other people, it's really important to use language that's as inclusive as possible to reflect the known or unknown diversity of your audience. Instead of using the term husband or wife, a lot of people are using the word partner, and that's an inclusive term. Similarly, when you're talking to a bunch of people, you don't want to say, hey, guys, how's it going? You really should be saying, hello, folks, because that's very gender neutral and you're being inclusive. You also need to be specific. You need to use that language that's consistent with how a person identifies, a way that it's comfortable for them. For example, using correct pronouns. It's really important to keep in mind that not every member of a group has the same terminology or identifiers that you have. When they're describing their own identity, they might even use words that you wouldn't think to use. Find out what pronouns that they associate with and how they want to have themselves addressed as describing words based on people's characteristics might not be relevant. There's no point saying that woman or that man was doing a specific thing when really it doesn't matter if it was a man or a woman. You just need to even ask yourself, is it even relevant? Do you really even need to mention it? And then you also need to think about why you're using a phrase or word, where people might receive it and think of it as offensive or non-inclusive or disrespectful, such as using racist terms. I actually said those Asian people were always wearing masks before the pandemic. And I just stopped and I was just like, did I just say that? That's so wrong. I can't believe I said that. And, and I was ashamed that that had even come out of my mouth without me even thinking of it. So we really need to talk about issues, but we need to think about the people we're talking to and how they identify and if what we're going to say is offensive to them. If you create a positive attitude and you're respectful and you're being open and honest with people and they come to you and they want help, there are lots of ways for people to get help and you are not one of them. The last thing you want to do when somebody comes to you with a mental health issue or some depression issues or even just a problem, the last thing you want to do is tell them what they should be doing or tell them how to behave. I personally can't stand it when somebody and they say, oh, well, you should be doing this and you should be doing that when somebody comes to me, I say, these are your options. And if they come right out and say, what would you do? I'd say, well, you could do this or you could do this or you could do this. I really hesitate to tell people what they should do because you're your own person. You make your own choices. It's really important that you be presented with all your options and then you make the best choice for yourself. Even if you're suffering from mental distress, just knowing What options are out there for you is huge because a lot of times you just feel like you don't know what to do, you don't know where to start, that you're all alone. When in reality, there are so many programs and specific programs out there that can help you. The Canadian Mental Health Association has 330 different locations across Canada. They have so many different programs and services and supports that can help and treat mental illness if you seek the help. And we have to stop setting up these barriers. By using the wrong words, by using the wrong language, by telling them what to do. You have to listen and understand as opposed to judging and preaching and telling people how they should be living their lives. I know this conversation is a little bit different than what I usually talk about, but a lot of my podcast has turned into dealing with mental health as opposed to dealing just with seasonal affective disorder. But by branching out a little bit and talking openly about mental health and mental issues and mental illness and mental distress, I'm promoting respect and dignity of other people. As a sufferer of depression, people have judged me. People have thought, how long can that woman lay in bed all day? Or how come she doesn't come around anymore? She must hate us. Or if she just get off her ass and do something, then she wouldn't feel that way. And I know, I know that they've judged me and it hasn't helped. And it's the people who accept me for the way I am and they show me respect. They're the ones that I go to because I know I can talk to them. It's really important to seek help if you need it. And the Bell let Talk program really promotes people listening to each other and talking. A lot of times when somebody comes to you, if you're respectful and you're creating an air of positivity and you're making them feel comfortable and you're not judging them, they'll talk to you. You don't have to do anything. You just have to listen. You just have to be there. If you've seen any of the commercials here in Canada of the Bellette Talk, one commercial they have is several different scenes. And the first scene is a mother sitting at a table crying and the daughter's like, I'm here. And another one is a, you know, an elderly couple sitting by the lake and she's in tears and he's, I'm here, I got you. That's all people need to hear when they're feeling so incredibly emotional and low and they don't know what to do. To have somebody sit beside you and say, I'm here, I'm listening, opens the floodgates and it allows you to realize that you are valuable and you're hurting. And you don't have to hurt. And there are things you can do to stop hurting. And if you're the person listening, you are that source to take away the pain. Even for that moment, you're going to hold their hand and you're going to point them in the right direction. And you're going to give them the help that they need. That being said, I think I'm probably done talking about mental health issues. I don't know why this brought up some... Some... It's hard things for me this time. But just knowing that I've had people in my life who've listened and that will listen is huge for me. So, I want you to find someone you trust and talk to them. Or even find somebody who you haven't heard from in a long time. Pick up the phone, give them a call, ask them how they are. Maybe you feel awful and you just are reaching out and they'll ask you how you're feeling and you're saying, you know, well, the last few days haven't been that great. And they'll ask you why and they'll listen because they love you. And you'll do the same for them. You know, if you haven't seen or heard from somebody lately and you've noticed some of their Facebook posts have been a little down in the dumps or negative, reach out to them. Find out. See if they need some help. You never know if you don't ask. And it's respectful, and it's showing that you care. I just want to share one thing with you before we go. For my birthday last week, two weeks ago, my mother gave me a little urn. On it, it says, Loving Wishes for My Daughter. It's actually a little music box that plays, You Are So Beautiful. Inside are little pieces of paper, and each one has a little note on it. And I'm going to pull a note out of there and I'm going to post it in the comments each week. So I just grabbed one. This week's loving note says, You are never too old to dream a new dream. That's going to be our little quote for this week. You are never too old to dream a new dream. And it's true, you know, no matter how old we are, there's always something we've always wanted that we've never imagined that we never considered. For example, I'm trying to learn how to be a public speaker. And I think someday I want to be able to talk to large groups of people about all the gardening and horticulture stuff that I know. It's becoming a new dream. Before it would have terrified me, but now it's a new dream. So I'm going to put this little note on my inspiration board I have here in front of me. And that is this week's loving note. You're never too old to dream a new dream. And I just wanted to say I really appreciate you hanging around. Remember, on Bell Let's Talk Day, Wednesday, January 26th, Bell Canada donates five cents to Canadian mental health programs for every local and long-distance call. Anything that uses the Bell Let's Talk hashtag, text, tweet, TikTok video, Facebook post, Instagram post, every LinkedIn post, every Pinterest post, every Snapchat, YouTube, every view of their Bell Talk videos, every use of the Bell Talk Facebook frame or the Snapchat lens will donate five cents to the Canadian Mental Health Association. And you don't have to do all of them. If you make a phone call and you're on Bell Media, you've donated five cents. So reach out to your friends, talk about how you're feeling, share with people, let them know you're willing to listen. And just remember you don't have to be sad by yourself thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me you can follow me on instagram at rochelle gregg or on facebook at rochelle gregg thanks again and i hope to see you next time